I'd ask you to open your Bibles this morning with me to the New Testament book of Acts. We're going to begin a brand new sermon series this week that's called Why It Matters. And we're going to focus on two of those words, really. It matters. The why part we're going to explore over the next few weeks. Our culture seems to think that the words of the Bible are, are, are very antiquated, that they're from a different time, and, and maybe we don't need to live by those anymore. The, the world will tell us that, that marriage can be anything that you want it to be. Just pick a person, call it a marriage, and, and, and it's a marriage. But, but that's not what the Bible says, and it matters. Our world will tell you that it's okay to go out and to spend all of your money on all of the luxurious items that you want so that you can, you can self-please yourself and, and, and you can look good to everyone else in the world. But the Bible doesn't say that, and it matters. The world will tell you that any road that you choose to walk to get to heaven any road that, that you call the truth is the cru truth as long as it's truth to you. But the Bible doesn't say that, and it matters. The world will also tell you this. They will tell you that everyone on YouTube is an expert. They'll tell you that the gospel of YouTube is perfect for you to go and find any answers that you're looking for. And just because somebody has a YouTube page that they're an expert, somebody writes a book that considers, you know, now they're considered an expert. But the Bible doesn't say that, and it matters. The New Testament book of Galatians is a letter that the Apostle Paul has written to, a, to churches in an area called Galatia. And we're going to be studying this letter over the next few weeks. But this letter in its entirety is a reminder to the Galatians that there is a true gospel and anything else is not it. And it matters. This morning... Before we jump into our letter to the Galatians that will start next week, we're going to look at the author of Galatians because it's really important to know who is Paul, where is he coming from when he's talking to the Galatians, why does it matter what he's saying. So we're going to learn who it is that's actually writing this letter so that when we dive into it, we can understand a little bit more of his backstory as we move forward. I want to tell you something. Paul, the Apostle Paul, the man who wrote about a third of the New Testament, the second most important man in the New Testament behind Jesus, was a very, very, very mean man to Christians. He was a destroyer of Christians. I want you to write this down. For those of you taking notes this morning, point number one in your notes is this. The Apostle Paul, at one point in his life, he did everything to everybody who had anything to do with Jesus. He did anything he could to eliminate Christ, Christ followers, to eliminate anyone who was focused on Jesus. 
Now you say, you know, Pastor, how can these two facts go together? You just told me that he's the, the second most important man in the New Testament, and now you tell me that he's somebody who goes around hurting Christians? How can this be? What, how, how do these two things mesh? Well, here's the way it works. Jesus reached Paul. That's it. Jesus reached Paul. In Acts chapter 22, Paul is going to be making a defense for himself. And in doing so, he's going to give us a great amount of detail about who he is. So let me give you some backstory here. Paul has been, uh, he's been in his missionary journeys for a while, and, and most of his, his, well, all of his missionary journeys were um, to, the, uh, to the Gentiles. They weren't in Jerusalem, but at this moment, he is in Jerusalem, and he had gone into the temple. There are some Jews in the temple who recognize him as somebody who has been preaching about Jesus in other cities, and they kind of start saying, hey, you know what, we need to get this guy out of here. They start causing a commotion. So they go to the Roman guards and they say, hey, I need you to arrest this guy because he's causing a scene. He's going to, he's going to rile up all of the people. And so as the, um, as the Roman guards are like taking Paul out to their police donkey, right? They're, Paul says, hey, can, uh, can, can I talk? to the people here, can I just chat with the crowd who's yelling at me? And the Roman soldiers say, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let you talk to them for a minute. And so Paul starts out making this defense of himself to the Jews who are accusing him and want him to be hauled off to the Roman jail. I want you to see what he says. Turn with me to Acts chapter 22. We are in verses, we're going to start right at the beginning of the chapter. Paul says this, Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me when I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs, and I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. We're going to stop right there and make this make sense for us, okay? Paul is saying, I'm a Jew. I was born in Tarsus. I grew up here in Jerusalem. Well, what does that mean? Tarsus is a city in a Roman province, okay? And this is, uh, Tarsus would be uh, the southeastern part of modern-day Turkey. You can actually go to Tarsus now. Um, there's like buses and trains and cars and stuff, so it doesn't really look like it did then. But you can go to Tarsus, and that's where Paul was born. Tarsus is in Roman territory. So because he's born there, or possibly his father bought their citizenship, he has Roman citizenship. But... His dad is a Pharisee. His parents are Jews. So he's born into a Jewish household, so he is also Jewish. So we kind of have this dual citizenship um, situation going on. At one point, Paul's 
dad, maybe his Pharisee job, they maybe he got transferred to Jerusalem, right? And so Paul's a little kid. They pack everyone up and, and they go down to Jerusalem and he's going to start working there. So Paul, as a child, born in Tarsus, Roman territory, gets his, his citizenship as a Roman citizen. They move, starts growing up. That's where his formative formative years were. And he trained under a very, very famous and esteemed rabbi. So when Hebrew boys were about five years old, all Hebrew boys, Jewish boys, okay, they would, they would go to what we call Torah school, what they called Torah school. So they would all go to school and they would be studying the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, okay, and studying them nonstop. That's what they did. And when they got to about 10 years old, there was a, uh, there was a testing period. And so now as 10 years old uh, children, if you pass the tests, you can move on and continue going to school. But if you don't, you're going to go home to your mom and dad and you're, you're going to go work in the field with your dad. Or maybe he's a fisherman and, and he's gonna, you're going to go work on the boats. You have to be smart enough to make the cut. Then you're going to spend more years until you are 15 to 17 years old in, in this area. And at that point, here comes another test and here comes another cut. And if you, you, you've spent now since you were five to about 17 in, in school, if you don't make the cut now, back to the farm with you. You're gone, right? But if you do, now it's time for you to go and find a rabbi. You need to find somebody to follow. You've already made the cut twice. And what would happen is this. You would go out and you would find one of these rabbis. Many of them were uh, esteemed a gentleman who everyone looked up to, you would know them. You would know them by name. And so these, these kids who were coming up, what would happen is you would go out, you would find a rabbi, and you would sit at his feet. So you're going to choose your rabbi, sit down on his feet, and now he's going to test you. And if you are not found worthy, he's going to send you home to work on the farm. So now here's the third time that you could have been cut. Paul made every single cut. Paul, he was successful in every single time that he was progressing in his understanding of his Jewish faith. His dad was a Pharisee, so he's up the ladder a little bit. Okay, So Paul's got some, some heritage in his family, comes from a, a family who knows what's called the law, knows the scriptures, our Old Testament. He knows his stuff. Paul's no dummy. Whenever we are reading the New Testament and we are seeing the words from Paul, I want you to know Paul is very well educated in our Old Testament, which would have been their scriptures. He went to school. He sat at the feet of a famous rabbi. Imagine, imagine you and I, somebody uh, a few years ago, going down and sitting at the feet of Billy Graham, him testing you and him saying, yeah, you know what? I want you to follow me around. And literally, you would follow him like ducks everywhere that he went. Learn. That's what they would do with the rabbi. Learn what happened, what they did. 
You, for, for your rabbi's dust to be on you, that was a big deal. You wanted to be, you wanted to act like him. You wanted to, to, to talk to other people like him. You wanted others to look up to you like they did your rabbi. Everything your rabbi did, you wanted to be just like him. That's who Paul was. He knew his stuff. Now, let's talk about Paul and Saul, because this creates a little bit of a confusion. There is a rumor going around that at one point God changed Saul's name to Paul. I say it's a rumor because it's not true. Let's talk about that for a moment, okay? Remember when we said that, that, that Paul was born in Tarsus, this is a Roman territory, but he's Jewish, okay? In a Roman territory, you're going to be given a name, a Roman name. Chances are, don't know this for a fact, but, but Paul's legal Roman name would probably be something like Marcus Antonius Paulus, something like that. Okay. So then, being that he's from this Jewish family, they gave him also, according to the law, a Jewish name. Well... The first king of the Israelites was King Saul. Sometimes, have you ever named a child after somebody important in your history? They gave him the name Saul. Saul is his Jewish name, his Hebrew name. Paul is his Gentile name. Okay, So when he would have been in Torah school as a child... In, in, in the classroom, he would have had a name tag on his desk that said Saul. Okay? His dad would have had a bumper sticker on the back of his donkey that says, My son Saul was student of the month at Torah school. Okay? So they would have referred to him as Saul. We see him use his, his Roman name, Paul. Once he starts going out into the ministry, he starts going out to talk to and to teach the gospel to Gentiles in Roman territories. Be a good idea to use your Roman name in Roman territories, that you have one, right? To use your citizenship to your advantage. Paul and Saul, same person, different names, but for the remainder of our conversation today and throughout our study in the book of Galatians, we're going to refer to this gentleman as Paul. Follow me to Acts chapter 22, we're in verse number 4. Paul's continuing his conversation to the Jews who are gathered around, and he said, I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. I'm going to stop right there for just a quick second. He says, I, per the, I persecuted those followers of the way. At this moment in history, the term Christians did not exist. As a matter of fact, when the first time the words Christians was used, it was really a derogatory term. They were like, oh, those are people who are Christ-like followers. So there wasn't a name at that point. 
Paul refers to people who follow Christ or the, refers to Christ as the way. And you'll see it in your Bible. You might see the, the letter W capitalized. It's referring to Jesus. And at this point, Paul is saying, I was persecuting people of the way, followers of Jesus. He says, I was even given a letter from the high priests. I was given permission to go to Damascus, arrest them, put them in chains, walk them back to Jerusalem, and we're going to throw them in jail. Paul's a Pharisee now at this point. He's worked his way up now that he's, he's making his defense. He is, he's referred to himself as a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He has clout. People know who he is now. And they certainly know that he is one that was doing everything he could to persecute followers of the way. Come back with me. We're in Acts chapter 22, verse number 6. Paul says this, As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me, the, the people with me, this is Paul saying again, verse number nine, the people with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything you are to do. Paul continues in verse number 11, I was blinded by the intense light, and I had to be led by hand to Damascus by my companions. I want you to see something here. Paul, with letters from the high priest, giving him permission to round up Christians and bring them back, walking with his companions, more than likely these are, these are guards, these are men who are assigned to go with him so that he's protected on his way because he's going to be bringing prisoners back. He's blinded. Paul is blinded. I want you to see something. Jesus chose Paul. Paul was a persecutor of Christians, persecutor of people who followed the way. I want you to see this. The world might tell you that you are not good enough to be used by Jesus. The Bible doesn't say that, and it matters. The world might tell you that once you start down that path of walking away and, and, and separating yourself from Christ and, and the church and you're not reading your Bible anymore and you think, I'm so far removed that I can never turn around and go back. The Bible doesn't say that and it matters. Do you think that your sins are so grotesque that God won't use you? God used Paul, and he is one who had spent his life to that point persecuting God's people. God used this man, someone who goes around advocating for the death of Christians, putting them in jail, used this man to write a 
third of the New Testament. That's what you and I consider our, doc our doctrine. This is Christian beliefs coming from a man who originally in his life put Christians in jail. And you think God can't use you? He can, and it matters. Paul's not just some guy who came out of the blue and just starting writing some random letters that became our Bible. He was, he was somebody who in his previous life studied deeply, knew his Hebrew scriptures. If he were to be in his previous life today, if he would have been going around as Saul of Tarsus around a church today, we would fear him if he would walk in. Because his job would be to round us up and put us in jail. We don't fear him because Jesus found him. Paul met Jesus in person on that road to Damascus. It wasn't simply just a dream or a revelation. Jesus came to Paul. Paul met the risen Savior. Paul didn't simply write a letter to the Galatians and the Philippians and the Thessalonians and the Romans. He didn't simply just write letters out of the blue and send them to other churches that become our Bible. No, he didn't make the words up. He knew Jesus. He spoke with Jesus. He knew him. He has as much power, Paul does, the authority of his scriptures has as much authority as Matthew's, Mark, Luke, John, Jude, James, uh, the other authors, the author of, of, of Hebrews. Paul's authority is strong because he met Jesus. I want you to recognize this. This is point number two in your notes this morning, and it follows those lines we were just talking about. The authority of the doctrine and the theology that we follow comes directly from men who actually met Jesus in person. You say, well, why is, why is, why is that important? Well, it's important because I don't know anyone who has their own YouTube channel who met Jesus in person. I don't know that that, that that actually happens. You've heard me tell you numerous times that everything we learn should be able to be backed up in the Bible. If you hear somebody teaching on the radio, their, their words should be able to be backed up in the Bible. If you hear somebody, if you see a video of somebody on YouTube, their, their content, their points should be able to be backed up by the Bible. You hear somebody preaching on the side of the road. Maybe you hear somebody speaking during Bible study. Or, or, or maybe, maybe it's just a random stranger, a conversation that you're having, maybe with somebody at work in the break room. The points need to be backed up in the Bible. You've heard me say this also, that it doesn't matter what I believe. 
You're never going to hear me come to the pulpit and say and tell you, I believe that. I'm not going to tell you that because it doesn't matter. Here's what matters, what the Bible says. You will hear me come to the pulpit and say, the Bible says that. That's what's important. Now, is it important for you and I to believe what the Bible says? Absolutely it is. But what is the authority? Is the authority what I believe or what the Bible says? Is the authority what somebody else believes or what the Bible says? Is the authority what the world believes or what the Bible says? Ladies and gentlemen, it matters. Because once you start putting your belief and your opinion and your wants and your desires and your thoughts into the Bible, and you're interpreting the words in the way that makes you feel good, then it is no longer the word of God. It is the word of you. And the word of you has never brought anyone to salvation. It matters. So I want you to see... Paul on his mission, what he tells the, 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 the Gentiles, when he tells them about Jesus, remember these are people who are not Jews, okay? The conversation that we're having about this, this story in Acts chapter 22, these are Jews, okay? Previously, Paul has been on missions. If you go to the back of your Bible, there's probably maps. Uh, Paul's three um, missionary journeys, and you can see where he went. Where he went was to people who were not Jews. They're Gentiles, okay? So he's traveling to these other areas, uh, Asia Minor, uh, modern-day Turkey, Greece, other cities, and he's ministering to Gentiles, and there are some Jews there also that are hearing his words, but Paul is mainly going to speak to the Gentiles, and we're going to find out why. We're in Acts chapter 22, verse number 17. Paul says this, After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple, and I fell into a trance, and I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, Hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. But Lord, I argued, they certainly know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and I beat those who believed in you, and I was in complete agreement when your witness, Stephen, was killed. I stood by and I kept the coats they took off when they stoned him, but, but the Lord said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The first person in the Bible that it's recorded who died for their faith in Jesus was a man by the name of Stephen. Stephen was telling others about Jesus and the Jews that were around, of course, don't like what they hear. So it was determined that Stephen was going to be stoned. Even those far up the religious ladder in the Jewish faith would pick up rocks and throw them at Stephen, and he died. It doesn't tell us that Paul actually picked up rocks to throw, but it does tell us that that day when Stephen died, Paul was there. And as all the other men needed to make room to 
to get their arms ready to throw rocks. They would take off their coats and they would hand them and Paul was right there holding them. I don't think you hold coats of the executioner if you are not in favor of the executioner executing. That was Paul. And Paul is saying, he's saying the people in Jerusalem, they should know that I persecuted Christians. They should kind of trust me. Jesus tells them, no, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. I'm going to send you away from Jerusalem because I want you to take my message to other people. Jesus had people who were going to work in Jerusalem. He had disciples or apostles who were going to stay there. But Paul's mission now was to go out to others. Paul, in his other life before he came to Jesus, he hated Christians. But God chose him. Don't let this world tell you that your sins are too big to be used by Christ. The Bible doesn't say that, and it matters. Finally, I want you to see what happens. We're in chapter 22, verse number 22. It says, The crowd listened until Paul said that word, and then they all began to shout, Away with such a fellow! He isn't fit to live! After Paul had made his defense, the Jews, they said, yeah, get him out of here. Get him out of here. Put him on the back of your Roman police donkey and haul him out to jail. He is not fit to live. Here's the third point in your notes this morning. People will hate the teaching of Jesus, but we do not change that meaning to fit our world. God's word is fixed. It doesn't change. Next week we're going to see and we're going to start in the book of Galatians. And there's, Paul's going to start out with this. And he's going to be very blunt about it. That the gospel that I taught you this is the true gospel. Anything else is not a gospel at all. The word gospel means good news. It's a military term. The commander would be at, at, the, at the army base and somebody would come from the battlefield with what's called gospel and they would give the commander the good news of what's going on on the battlefield. Our army is doing well. This is gospel truth. Paul is saying, if anyone else brings you another gospel, it's no gospel at all. I'm wondering if the world brings a different gospel. If they do, Paul will say, that's no gospel at all. That's not worth following at all. As a matter of fact, we're going to look into these verses in Galatians chapter 1 next week. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 read like this. Paul says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be good news, but this is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. 
Does that sound familiar at all in our world? Our world can, will tell you that you can choose your own way to heaven and all roads lead to heaven. But the Bible doesn't say that and it matters. Finally, Jesus had some words on this topic too that are so important. This is going to come up on your screen in a moment also. We're in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 13, and we're going to read 13 through 20. Jesus himself says this, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Watch this, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruits, you can also identify people by their actions. We are told from the creator of our truth that people are going to come into our lives that purposefully flood our world with untruth, with mistruth, purposefully deceiving you. You know what the devil knows better than anything? The Bible. You know what he knows also? He knows how much you want to be accepted by somebody. He knows your, your weakness. He knows that there are things that you don't know that you want to learn about. He knows where to send you to get a gospel that's not really a gospel. How do we know the difference? We're in our gospel. We're in our Bible every day. It comes from one place. Every other teacher, including myself, you question and you take these words back to the source. It has to come from the Bible. It doesn't come from gold plates. It doesn't come out of just a, a prediction. It doesn't come from somebody's title. It doesn't come from somebody with a new word from God. Let me tell you something. God gave his word and his canon is closed. His word is written in God's handiwork in heaven forever. It does not change. If somebody is preaching to you a gospel, a, a word that is not found in your Bible, it is no gospel at all, and it matters. Where do we get our direction in life? 
We get it from God's Word. Where does God's Word come from? It comes from the Bible. Now, the Bible is where God gives His Word to us. But this isn't a one-way street. Our relationship with God is a two-way street. It's an intake of God's Word into our lives, but it's also us talking to God. If all we're doing is reading, but we're not talking, we're not telling, we're not having a discussion with God, that's, that's just one side of a relationship. Let me ask you this. Do you know somebody, have you ever had this, this time in your life where there was somebody who you knew who you kept calling because you really wanted to talk to them? You really wanted to talk to them? You wanted to be, you thought that you had a better friendship with them because you kept texting, but they just didn't text you back. I wonder how many times God has texted you, but you just haven't texted back. I wonder how many times that he's left you voicemails and you just haven't returned his calls. I wonder how many times that you've read his Bible and you've said, you know what, that's a good word, but you don't sit back and talk to him. That's prayer. That's how we talk to God. We tell him what's, yeah, we tell him what he already knows. But when we tell him, we're telling him that we recognize what he already knows. We're telling him that we recognize who he is. And that we recognize that he is the only one that can help us through these situations in our life. God knows. But do we recognize that? That's important. And it matters. To be ready for next week, I'm going to ask you to read Galatians chapter 1. You could read the entire book in about 15 minutes. We're going to spend more than 15 minutes studying this over the next few weeks. But I want you to know this. It matters what you believe. Because what you believe should only come from God's Word. My prayer for you this week is that you evaluate what it is that is guiding your Christian walk. What percentage of the areas in your life are led by your Christian faith? And what percentage of those areas in your life are led by the world? It matters. Let's pray.